Heads up, kitties. This episode has a little bit of cursing in it, so maybe put the scallywags in the brig, then come on back. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Liberty Land on this fine Wednesday. This is Electric Liberty Land number nine. Of course, that means you can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL9 to find all of the show notes for the show today. At the top of the show, I always like to remind everybody to check out our other podcasts. We've got Mark Clear on Mondays doing some in-depth interviews. He just spoke with Kristen Tate, uh, so check that one out. And also Felony Fridays on Friday with John Odermatt looking at the problems with the criminal justice system here in America. And don't forget about our new t-shirts, guys, lionsofliberty.store. We've got a couple different designs there that are pretty awesome. And also, we now have a Podbean patron program, so check that out. We actually just released our very first Lions of Liberty blooper reel, and it's pretty damn funny. I'm not going to lie to you. This is all the outtakes from our Libertarians in Living Rooms drinking liquor shows, and there are a lot of them. I myself have to comb through some hours that I have for my own shows as well, because we're going to be releasing exclusive content for people that do sign up to support the podcast every week and also do, uh, do some monthly content. So great stuff, as well as, you know, you get discounts and free t-shirts, yada, 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 yada. Check it out lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. By the way, speaking of libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor, so I'm going to be bringing in a guest that you all know and love named Rico in a little bit, our legal counsel, and we're going to talk about a number of items later on. Additionally, in just a little bit, I'm going to talk about Trump's speech, which took place Tuesday night to uh, during a uh, joint session of Congress. But before any of that, I want to talk about a couple of things, because I'm actually doing my own libertarian in his upstairs recording bedroom drinking alone tonight because I'm so goddamn angry because I just got a parking ticket, walked out of work, looked at my car. What's on there? Ah, a lovely $60 parking ticket. Now, granted, I just got a $25 parking ticket for not having a front license plate, which they require in California, but I don't feel like drilling holes in the front of my car, so I just pay that one when I get it every few months. But this $60 one I got today really pisses me off, and it's a little lesson in government and how government's taking advantage of people and milking people just down to the bone, scraping the flesh away from their bones uh, over and over and over again. So let me give you an example of what's happening here in Culver City which I think Mark also works in Culver City, by the way. So Culver City has been an up-and-coming area for about five years now. It was real ghetto before, and I actually still live just down the street from the project. But houses around here have skyrocketed to the point where a tiny, tiny two-bedroom house will regularly go for a million dollars, which is insanity. Now, I don't know if Culver City has decided, well, you know what? We've got all this newfound rich coming in here, the nouveau riche are moving in to the area. So we've got to try to really screw these people. But they've been going out of the way with parking tickets to do that. And the way they've gone about this is that you need a parking permit to park in residential streets in much of Culver City. Now, number one, I think that is BS overall, but they made it even more difficult. So I've got a parking pass. It's a temporary, you know, it's a day permit thing that uh, my company bought for me. And the thing is about the size of a clipboard. I shit you not, it's a 
clipboard-sized parking thing you have to hang from your rearview mirror every time you want to get protection from the ticketers. And it's so big, of course, I have to take it off every time. So I pull it down, I pick it up, I put it on, I take it down every day. You know, and I go home for lunch, so I'm, doing it, I'm putting this thing up and down a few times a day. Now, granted, sometimes you forget. I forgot today. Now, did I? is it my fault I forgot to put the parking thing up there? Yes, it is. But let me give you a little bit more uh, insight into this whole parking scheme they've got going. So in addition to this, they also have days of the week in California, throughout all of California, or at least Los Angeles, where you can't park on certain streets during certain times. Typically, it's a two or three hour stretch where they're doing quote unquote street sweeping. Now, I've seen about 25 street sweepers in my entire time I've been in Los Angeles, and that's a good 15 years now. So, you know, they're barely doing it, but yet you still get tickets out the ass if you park on these streets. So on one side of the street, 12 to 2. The other side of the street on the other day of the week was also 12 to 2, except they changed it. How do I know? Well, I got a ticket. That's how I know. I parked there, did not notice the change in the signs from 12 to 2. They changed it to 1 to 3. Of course, good old Brian here at Lions of Liberty, he parked there at 2 o'clock, thinking that that was fine, got a ticket. The other thing that they've done in Culver City now is they've also put a uh, another new sign up where you used to be able to park on one side of the street for two hours. Then you move your car to the other side of the street for two hours and back and forth, yada, yada. Now you can no longer do that because they put a brand new sign up that says that you can only park for two hours in any particular district for parking. To give you an idea about how big the districts are, they're about, I'd say, four to six blocks in radius. So that means unless you're parked on the very edge, you now are being forced to buy a parking permit. Otherwise, you know you're going to get ticketed over and over again. So do you see what these people are doing here in Culver City? They know they've got a cash cow, so they're just going to milk it until it dies. And that's what they're doing with parking tickets. And we've seen this in, in Los Angeles. And it's a, it's a, I mean, Los Angeles is an extreme example because they're really going hard here. But it happens in towns all over America where through this kind of taxation, this kind of theft, they, look at what they're doing. So they theft or they tax you, which, of course, is theft to build the roads. And then they rob you on the roads that they have built. And what happens a lot of time, like I'm in a fortunate place where I can afford to pay a $60 ticket. I don't want to, but it's an inconvenience that I can at least afford. Many people, what happens here is they get this ticket. Let's say I'm much poorer than I am. And by no means, by the way, am I raking in the money. So please don't be dissuaded from supporting us via the Podbean uh, Patriot program. But there's people much poorer than me that they'll get a $60 ticket. They won't be able to pay it on time because maybe they're working, you know, hourly. They're just doing, you know, paycheck, pays the rent, pays for a little bit of food, and that's all they have. So they put it off. They say, okay, I'm going to wait and I'll pay it later. Then they get another parking ticket. They get a late fee. So now instead of $60, it's $200. Okay. They get a payment plan for it. By the time, you know, there's math behind this where half the time, by the time these are worked out, the way the system is and the way the states put it in place, you're paying something like five times the amount of the ticket. And God forbid you miss a payment. Now there's a warrant out for your arrest. So now because you parked in the wrong place or because like me, you didn't put a damn placard in the mirror one time. Now you're going to jail. So good luck. Now you're going to jail. Now you get fired from your job. Now your kids may not have anywhere to go. And by the way, foster care in Los Angeles is a major problem because people's kids are getting taken away. Half of that might be due to legitimate reasons. It might be due to, to poverty or drug abuse. 
But a lot of these kids are taken away for stuff like this because a lot of them, like 25%, for example, is black in the system here. Uh, there's also a heavy amount of Latinos because those, you know, these are the people that are inappropriately affected by this. So you've got people losing their children because they're getting tickets for parking and they're going to jail for them. Now they come out, they have to fight to get their kids back. They have to fight to get their job back. Because of a state-invented problem, these people have had their lives effectively ruined. So thank you. Thank you, baby Jesus, for not making me in that position. But very easily, you know, there, there but for the grace of God, and who I don't believe in, by the way, being, being honest, but there but for the grace of God go I. So that happened today. But I just love this perverted Robin Hood that they've invented for themselves, wherein they create the roads, they then rob to, to, in theory, they tell you, oh, no, no, we're doing this for the greater good. It's, we're robbing from the rich to give to the poor. No, you're robbing the poor to give back to yourselves and grow government. That's all you're doing. So again, thoroughly disgusted to start the show, but that was a heavy thing. Let's make a joke. How about that? Let's make a joke here. Because I saw today that Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, they just signed a book deal for $60 million so that Barack Obama can write his memoirs. And I guess Michelle is going to have a chapter in there about starving America's youth with her cafeteria programs as well. $60 million that is now guaranteed to be the most read presidential memoir on a toilet. And you know how I know? Because liberals are going to buy it. They're going to read it on the shitter. Conservatives are going to buy it. They're going to use it to wipe. It is a win-win for the Obamas, baby. Well planned, Barack. Way to foster all that animosity. You knew that the long-term goal was to get some uh, some memoir toilet paper going there. Brilliant. Can't sell the guy short on that. All right, guys. So let me uh, let me turn my attention now towards Trump's speech to Congress that just happened. And I'm not going to pull the audio. It's too hard to get the audio in a quick turnaround. I'll be up all night editing it. So I'm just going to paraphrase some of what he said and make some general points. And a warning, I have been drinking during this entire speech, which is about an hour long. Now, granted, I only had one martini, but it was a martini, <laughs> and it was good. I mixed it with some blue cheese, called it a douche-teeny in honor of Trump. So let me run through some of these things from start to finish here. First thing, I just want to comment, a lot of the Democratic women who were in the House showed up in all-white outfits. Why? Well, they said it because that's what women wore during the suffrage movement. Because clearly, uh, the time when women couldn't vote is very similar to the time right now when they're being denied what? Nothing? Because I'm sorry, what the hell are they being denied? What are they upset about? What has Trump done to women? I don't get it. What are you protesting? You have it great. You have it the best you've ever had it in the history of the United States. Arguably, compared to anyone else in the world, women have it the best they've ever had it. Things just keep getting better. Like, what the hell? Why are you dressing up? I don't get it. It makes me very frustrated. Um, But they showed up in all white because that's what the women who were fighting for the suffrage movement did. And uh, I did notice, though, a lot of the women did not stand up during Trump's entrance. Everybody else was standing. A lot of women in white did not stand up. Now, granted, I might be reading too much into this. Maybe they didn't stand up because they're wearing white. Maybe there was some diarrhea. Maybe somebody had a little too much paella before the Trump speech. I don't know. 
Maybe all their periods synced up because of all the protests, the joint protesting, and they had an accident where I, I don't want to go too deep into it, but maybe they just couldn't stand up. Is all I'm saying. Don't tell me insensitive ladies. I know sometimes that happens. So they didn't stand up. Now, Trump started the speech in, and, and I will say to start this off, I was actually impressed with his speech. I started off very nonplussed. I started off expecting a lot more of the CPAC style of speech, which he gave, which was a lot of, you know, platitudes and the old Trump of like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And that's the way it started. We will, uh, you know, things will be, things will be great. I will do this. I will do that. Kind of the same old crap. The Obama stuff, the Obama platitudes and grandiose speech meaning nothing. And he started off with that. But then he got into some of his good points. And now I, now I do know, I acknowledge, the man's only been in office for 30 days. And he's gotten a hell of a lot done in 30 days. I give him credit. Not all the things I like, but he's gotten a lot done. But he did start off in talking about uh, one of the, the first good points he made was about jet fighters and his negotiations with Lockheed Martin and with Boeing and how that saved billions. And, I mean, as far as I know, that is true. So Good job. I mean, why we sh- the government should be doing that. One of the biggest problems I have with government is that you get these things from like, you know, you see bills for a $3,000 hammer because nobody is actually looking at the bills. None of these government stooges who are happily collecting a paycheck and we can never seem to fire are actually looking at the bills to make sure that things are adding up. So the fact that the president is actually taking time and saying, no, this is costing too much. Why does it need to cost this much? You've just been taking advantage of the government's largesse for many years and negotiating those prices down is great. I mean, hell, good job, Trump. So that was a good way to start off. Then he started talking about how this, again, this this concept of passing it down, kind of this is the way things are going to be. Deregulation, a task force within every agency. Every major agency has a deregulation task force to simplify things, to get things working smoothly, which then, of course, I would hope would be passed along to business owners, to consumers, to citizens of the United States. So we don't have to go through so many hoops and have so many headaches when we're trying to get anything done, which, of course, we know that every regulation adds money to whatever we're trying to do. So I love that. Good job on that, too, Trump. Something next I did not enjoy. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of that. But the next thing uh, I'll bring up to that I took note on was that Trump mentioned how he was going to uh, dismantle the criminal cartels in this country. Now, he's not talking about specifically the mafia. What he's talking about really is drug gangs. And he goes into that, you know, how the drug war, we, he goes, you know, we need to crack down and and really, you know, end this drug war because, you know, the poor citizens across the state are addicted What really we need to remember is that where did the most powerful organizations come from? Where do the biggest mafia organizations come out of? Where did they, what was the chrysalis that they emerged from? Like the beautiful massacring blood butterfly that we created. And where were they created? They were created during the prohibition. Prohibition gave all of the organized crime the perfect opportunity to grow in this incredibly lucrative industry. It was the black market. So Trump, by saying he wants to destroy the criminal cartels by putting down more prohibition and cracking down even more and making it more difficult to get drugs, is just playing into the hands of these organizations that become more powerful, more wealthy, better armed, and more clever. Because you know what? Humans of all. So the more you do to try to stop them, the more clever they're going to be. So it's just, it's an effort in futility. 
and Trump's not putting two and two together, that the only solution to this is to end the drug war and to end prohibition. We're going to come back around to that a little bit later. Let me keep on. Let me keep my <laughs> let me keep my thoughts linear here because uh, my martini is going to prohibit me from doing too much else otherwise. All right. The only one bright side of that little tangent he went on to about the criminal cartels and the drug war was that he did emphasize treatment over pure incarceration. So hopefully that's a little bit more of his liberal side coming out. But, you know, talking about how he wants to improve treatment centers and and uh, grow that side of things. So hopefully that means we're going to see a reduction in the amount of people that are going to jail. And now Trump did not mention justice reform one time during this entire speech, which is disappointing. Not surprising, but disappointing. Uh, did not mention justice reform at all. So this is, in a way, justice reform, you could argue, because if people are not going to jail for minor drug offenses or drug offenses, if they're going to treatment, which they can treat it and release, that's a big step forward. And I'm going to talk about Jeff Sessions after I wrap this up, too. So, again, we're going to come all the way back around to this. Okay, so next thing I want to talk about is that he talked about immigration, obviously. No big surprise there. Although I did feel like he missed a major, major point that he could have brought up. When he's talking about immigration and how we need to crack down and enforce the laws on the books, the man didn't bring up the fact that his predecessor, and granted, I know Trump hates Obama and doesn't want to give him any credit, but here would a brilliant move if he had said, I want to crack down. I want to do even more than my predecessor, Barack Obama, did the president to deport more illegal immigrants than anyone else in our nation's history. Because then what are the Democrats going to do? They're sitting there. They're, you know, they're sitting on their hands half the time. And it was funny because, you know, half the room is GOP, half Dem, and, and half the time you just see they're all just sitting there pouting, uh, which is so annoying. I just can't stand when these old bitches do this kind of stuff, whether they're GRP or Dem. It's like, come on, you babies. You have the Super Bowl. Tom Brady just scored a touchdown against the Falcons. Such little bitches. But, you know, they're sitting there and they're not clapping. But what are they supposed to do? It would put them in a position where what are you going to do? You either got to applaud the enforcement of immigration policies or you got to refuse to clap for your guy. Your dude that can do no wrong, that just got $60 million for a book deal, that people are saying is going to have one of the greatest legacies in the history of the United States as a president, it would have been a brilliant move, and he really messed up by not doing it. Next up on my little notes here, there was, there was a really funny moment, actually, where Trump, he said something. I can't even remember what it was he said, because I was laughing too hard. But Trump said something, and there was an applause break. Because there's 400 applause breaks, which gets very annoying. Twice, yeah, easily doubles the length of the speech. But there was an applause break where Trump kind of looked to the looked to his left towards his constituents in the GOP side of things. He looks to his left. He puts his arm up on the podium, and he sees there's like one or two people that are not like standing and applauding. <laughs> and he, he looks over and he goes like this. He, he hits the podium. He goes, <laughs> people. They both stand up in the front row. These two GOP senators, they stand up and he goes, thank you. <laughs> and it was such a embarrassing show of strength. Uh, if you're Trump, if you're those senators, it's like you have been thoroughly, thoroughly emasculated right there. Uh, it's so embarrassing. And that wasn't the only funny moment, by the way. There was another great moment, too, where Trump. And again, I apologize. I can't remember what he was talking about. But 
he had this thing where he goes, he, he says something and he finishes with the word harm. And if you're a fan of the princess bride, like I am, he went like this. He goes, harm. <laughs> and it just sounded exactly like in Diego Montoya when he's talking with Fezzik and they're doing the rhyme thing where Diego goes, he probably means no harm. And then Fezzik goes, it's really very short on charm. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I should have done a better Andre the Giant there. I can do one, but eh, I'm not going to re-record it. Uh, let's see. What's next? The Dems didn't stand or applaud for Gorsuch. Uh, that really annoyed the shit out of me because, honestly, if you're not applauding for Gorsuch, who is a gift? He's a gift from Trump to the left. I mean, there are much worse dudes, both for the left and for libertarians, mind you. There are much worse dudes that could be coming down that pipeline. This was a relatively low bar. It's a guy who's an originalist. He's got stuff to like on both sides. And for these idiots to not applaud or give him any notification or any any sort of acknowledgement that this is a good pick was stupid. And they clearly coordinated it because none of them applauded. Uh, it, it, it boggles my mind. You don't think he's going to remember that <laughs> when he's weighing in? Hopefully on the Fourth Circuit uh, Appeals Court insane decision on the Second Amendment rights and military-style weapons that Rico and I are going to talk to about a little bit. You don't think he's going to remember that? He's going to remember it. So that was idiotic. Uh, Trump talked to a little bit about corporate tax reform. That was great. Talking about lowering the burden on corporations to keep them keep them here. I'd much rather him do that than this tariff talk that he keeps going into, which he went into a little bit tonight as well. Very frustrating. But just lower the corporate tax, Donald. Like you said, you're going to drop the corporate tax down at 15%. That is a massive incentive. I mean, Jesus, think of the billions of dollars saved just by dropping that corporate tax rate down. All right, what else? Healthcare went into healthcare, of course. He did a great job of slamming Obamacare. The Democrats were booing everything he was saying, and it was like, what, what are you, what are you booing? The truth? Are you booing? The, are you booing the fact that you can't keep your plan and Obama lied, which he did? Are you, are you booing the fact that skyrocketing premiums have hit everybody, which they have? Are you booing the fact that the markets have collapsed, which they have? It's like going to a diner and then they're like, well, we, you know, here's the problem. We ran out of pie because we didn't make enough pies. It was our fault. Then you're like, boo, not enough pie. It's like you're booing the fact. If the restaurant says they're going to fix it and make more pies, shouldn't you be happy? I'd be happy. And it's like, even though I, I know that there's some issues right now, I know Rand Paul has stood up against, I know Ted Cruz and also I think Mike Lee are opposing the new GOP plan, which does sound like it's going to be a little bit of kicking the shit down the road and not anywhere near like Rand's plan, which I actually think is pretty good. But still, Trump's talking about, you know, putting in a place where you can have insurance, you can buy insurance across state lines. That's great. Trump is a big fan of making it cheap to get and bringing in pharmaceuticals from Canada and making and getting rid of that whole loop that here that whole hoop that people have to jump through that regulatory hoop that that makes it so much more expensive for all of us isn't that a good thing shouldn't you be for that it's like the i i can't that's why i can't stand the politicking where these people can't acknowledge a good idea because of the color of their party because their guy lost they can't acknowledge a good idea like what's wrong with you and also, he acknowledged that they're not going to get rid of the insurance for pre-existing conditions. That's in none of the bills are they ripping that insurance away. 
If you have a pre-existing condition, like under Rand's bill, you have two years, two years under which you have to get insurance. And they can't deny if you keep your insurance, they can't kick you off. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Well, actually, it sounds like a horrible deal to me because I don't think you should be, I don't think these these people should be uh, forced or insurance should be forced to cover these people in the first place, but they're already on there. So fine. Finding a middle area, move on, get rid of Obamacare. All right, next thing, uh, Trump talked about how he wants new parents to have paid leave. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I don't have kids. Maybe if I have kids, that sounds like a great thing to me. But uh, even then, no. That's again, this is this is an unfair subsidy to people that are popping out babies. It's unfair to half the people that don't have kids. And a lot of Americans now are opting not to have kids. So screw that. No employer should be forced to be paying paid leave. That's a perk. If you want to offer that as a private business, that's a perk. Great. The government, should the government be offering paid leave? No, it shouldn't. If you want to have a kid, you wait until you're able to have a kid. You can take the time off. Don't tell me that we have to pay for that. I shouldn't be subsidizing your kid. I'm already pissed off enough that I have to subsidize your kid going to school. And then Trump had something else weird to say. Maybe it's because he's just tired of all the pussy hats stomping around Washington. But he also said that he's going to put money into women's health. And I don't know what that means. And he didn't explain it. It was just one of those weird things he threw out there. I'm going to help women's health. All right. (laughs) Does that mean Trump's going to buy a booby inspector shirt? (laughs) Because I sincerely hope it does. Uh, Ma'am. This is President Trump. I'm, I'm a booby inspector. Like, what are you? I, I just, I don't know what he's planning with that. But I really hope it is a uh, federal booby inspector. FBI, ma'am. All right, what else? So I'll hit this quick because I got to get through this. I know it's taking a long time, guys. But this is supposed to be an extra long episode. You brought this on yourselves. I promised you I would do an extra long episode because I my uh, voice was a little hoarse last time. Now you got drunken ramblings after Trump. So you reap what you sow. I guess I reaped what I sowed. Uh, he talked about the FDA. This was actually fantastic. He talked about loosening the regulations, allowing companies to get drugs pushed through faster with less oversight, less of these ridiculous requirements that slow drugs down for years and cost billions and billions of dollars. And he gave a, and this way, it wasn't just empty platitudes. He actually had a woman in the audience named Megan. She was in a wheelchair and I apologize. I can't remember the exact disease she had, but Megan, she had her disease uh, she was able basically to survive because of entrepreneurial medicine from a company that was able to get a, get a drug through and it was saved, you know, basically saved her life. She's now a functioning member of society. She's going to be graduating from Notre Dame. He had her there as an example of, look, this is who would be dead right now with these FDA regulations in place. And how many other millions of lives are wasted because of these FDA regulations? Because they're just slowing things down to slow things down. Because we don't have the ability to volunteer our own bodies to be tested when you have an emerging drug. If I'm dying of something, if I'm dying of a rare disease, because I'm recording this on Rare Disease Day, which Trump also mentioned. Which is funny because Rare Disease Day is also on Fat Tuesday. Which is hilarious because you know there's some real rare STDs being passed back and forth between people. But anyway, I digress. But if you're this girl, I mean... (laughs) It's a brilliant move. 
And it makes the point that should not be argued against. If people want to try a drug to save their own life, they should be able to try that drug and the government should not get in the way. All right, moving on. Ah, Trump called education the civil rights issue of our time. That's moronic. I agree that education is an issue. He was you know, championing school choice. He had a wonderful person in the audience, which she was a great example of how that helped her. Of course, I'm all for school choice. and uh, But to call it the uh, civil rights issue of our time, I'm sorry, no. The drug war is a civil rights issue of our time, by far. Not having your education, that can contribute to your going to jail or maybe selling drugs. But again, you end the drug war, uh, you can sell drugs and make a perfectly good living. And you're not going to go to jail. So again, you fix the drug war, you fix a lot of what ails society. So I did not agree to that statement, whatever. Uh, Trump also said he strongly supports NATO, but his but our allies need to meet obligations. That was great. Now, us being a part of NATO, us supporting other people across the, or across the world and putting our troops at risk and putting our money at risk, where the citizens have no vote in that, that I'm not for. But at least he wants to make our allies put forth the whatever the measly 3% they're supposed to be putting forward. So good statement there. Trump, of course, also wants to massively expand the military. He even said it himself, the biggest military expenditure or increasing expenditures in, I don't even know, 50 years. I don't know where this money's coming from. Apparently, he's going to try to even it out, but again, I don't know where the hell he's going to get $45 billion from to even it out. And he also said he's going to put money towards veteran services, which I'm all for. I mean, God knows they the the state of the VA is atrocious. It's disgusting, and it's a it's it's a blight on American society. It's a it's a shame. It's a black eye for, and everybody should be ashamed of that. But where's that money coming from, and what is that going to look like? Didn't go into it. But I will give him this. I'll sum it up, and I'll end this by talking about one great statement he made, and I loved this. And if you love liberty, you love this. Is that he said we respect the foreign rights of all nations to chart their own path. And Trump said that it's not his role to be the president of the world, but only of America. And I love that. It means you're keeping your focus where it should be. That means you're going to hopefully stop interfering all over the world and try to influence nations, get involved in empire building, overthrowing dictators and getting into regime change and putting our troops all over the damn world. So that is very encouraging. Okay, enough of that. So let's talk a little bit real quick, guys, about Jeff Sessions, and then we will get into Rico. Real quick, I want to talk about this because Jeff Sessions did talk about the fact that he wants to crack down on marijuana. Of course, Jeff Sessions is now taking over as the attorney general. He is going to be the one that will be enforcing marijuana laws. And here's what makes no sense to me is that Trump just got together with the governors like two days ago, all the governors and his whole statement was that he respects state rights and that he wants states to have more control. And then you got Jeff Sessions, you got this this ass clown coming in two days later and saying that they're going to really crack down on marijuana. How do you how do you possibly have those two things coexist? You can't. And it just made this is the, the thing I was worried about from Jeff Sessions from the beginning. Never mind that he is a maybe slash probably racist. And so justice reform under him ain't going to happen, ain't going nowhere. But, of course, he wants to double down on the drug, which I just said is the biggest issue we're facing. 
the biggest civil rights issue. And now he wants to trample on states' rights after Trump just said that he wants to defend states' rights. You can't have states' rights for religious liberty, which Jeff Sessions gives a shit about, and then say you can't voluntarily put a herb in your body that you control. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I was talking with a friend of mine online, actually, on, uh, on Facebook today. And you know what? He made a great statement. He said, you know what? If Trump is all for appointing people who will destroy their agencies, which he said, he said he wanted to put people heading the agencies that would destroy the agencies. If you're all for that, why don't you put somebody in charge of the DEA or put somebody in charge of, of the, uh, you know, the attorney general system that's going to bring down the drug war, bring down the DEA, one of the most corrupt, violent criminal organizations in the world. So kudos, Ed. That was a great point. He also had another idea. There needs to be a bill on the books. I don't know why Rand Paul hasn't done this yet. Why is there not a bill that just gives you control over your own body and says that the government does not have a right to infringe on anything you do in control of your own body? That encompasses using anything you want to put in your own body, eating anything, adjusting your body in any way, shape, or form, abortion, suicide, whatever you want to do with your body is your business. And I agree with them completely. So good job, Ed, on that. The question now is where are our representatives, our liberty-minded representatives in the House or the Senate with their bills that say the same thing? All right, one more thing, guys, and then I will bring in Rico. This just cracked me up because, okay, right now in France, you know, Marie Le Pen is making a big move and all the Frenchies are terrified of what that would mean because she's more of a hardline conservative bent to her. And there was an article on Slate.com, which is bad. It's not as bad as Salon.com, which is the most annoying, aggravating publication I think I've ever read in my life. It's like the rotation, uh, as I talk about with you a little bit later, you know, it's like Salon.com, Daily Kos, Vox, MSNBC, Huffington Post. That's all the liberals read. It's a, it just drives me up the damn wall. But a writer here, she is the editor-in-chief of Slate France. Her name is Jean-Marie Poitier. And I could not help but laugh reading this because, as you know, here in the U.S., here in the great U.S. of A., we diselected Donald Trump. Now, if you recall, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. And all of the Democrats were saying, oh, we need to get rid of this electoral college, which is moronic, as we all know, because the whole point of the electoral college is to make sure that we don't just have democracy and mob rule by 51 percent, especially when, of course, cities and country folk think very differently, have very different values and different priorities. But regardless. So. They wanted to say, okay, get rid of the Electoral College. This is a travesty. We need to just have straight Democratic elections. Okay, because Trump won. Remind me. <laughs> because Trump won. So, Jean-Marie Poitier over at Slate France, she just wrote a whole article about France's democratic system, where they literally have a system in place wherein if 51% of the people vote for a certain candidate, that person wins or, you know, goes through a runoff and whoever gets the most votes, Democratic votes, wins. So she now is saying that their Democratic system is broken. 
and should be overturned and revamped because Marie Le Pen may win. Is it just me or is that fantastically, fantastically funny? I mean, it's just, it's a perfect example of just losers whining. If they don't like the way things are going, you're going to whine about the system. Don't blame the cause, mind you. Don't blame the political systems you put into place or the cultural systems you put into place or what people have been doing and whining, the people in power for the past 20 years that have led to this counter-revolution, whether it be Trump, whether it be Le Pen, someday, hopefully it'll be a goddamn libertarian. But let's not blame that. No, no, no. Let's blame the system of democracy. Or let's blame the system we have in place with our electoral college. Pathetic. Speaking of pathetic, time to bring in the one and only man of legal mystery, the legendary Rico. Hi, Rico. Welcome back to Electric Liberty Land. Hey, buddy. I'm podcasting injured today, just so you know. Why? Well, what did you do? Ba- did you fall down the stairs? <laughs> I wish. I <laughs> threw my back out at the gym, and I'm in quite a uh, amount of pain, so I'm calling on all the Lines of Liberty podcast listeners to <laughs> mail any extra painkillers they have to the Lines of Liberty studio care of Rico. <laughs> I've already cleared it with the post office, so it's all good. Well, thank God for that. Are you going to be swallowing them or crushing them? Maybe putting them into a, a gel and injecting them? What, what's your tactic? Well, it depends on the day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to crush them up and uh, you know, <laughs> parachute them. <laughs> uh, in case our listeners don't know what that is, that's when you crush up a pill and then you wrap it in a tissue so that, <laughs> that swallow it. So that way it dissolves easily in your stomach very quickly. Good tactic, Rico. So I've heard. I like a man who does his homework. Yeah. Speaking of homework, did you uh, did you do any homework last night by watching the Oscars? Were you cl- were you crippled today or were you crippled last night? Crippled this morning, about 9.30 Eastern time. I just fell to the floor. People are like, are you okay? I will be, hopefully. (laughs) What were you you doing? (laughs) I was deadlifting, which is idiotic. I'm not a bodybuilder. No, and you're you're not that strong. (laughs) Hey, man. Yeah, so uh, that was dumb, as were the Oscars. And um, because the Oscars are dumb, I haven't watched them since I was in high school. But I did watch the clip that was uh, making its way around the interwebs. Yeah, so. it was it was pretty it was pretty amazing. Actually, here, let me play that clip really quickly, just so we can hear the the absolute uh, hilarious. I don't even know carnage that that uh, took place. Not carnage, but here, take a listen. And the Academy Award. For best picture. You're awesome. <laughs> Come on. La La Land. We lost, by the way, but, you know. Guys, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, there's a, this, there's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. Moonlight won. Come on, this is not a joke. Come this on. is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won best picture. Moonlight, best picture. 
So as you can see, quite a bit of confusion going on on stage there. I thought, you know, I also did not watch the actual Oscars going on because same reason as you. I'm like, why? I can see all the best things. I was just like, there's the same reason I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. Because why? All the best things I can see someone else recap for me the next day. So why would I want to sit through four hours that's mostly terrible? You know? I'm with you. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, clearly the Price Waterhouse Coopers is, by the way, falling on the sword for what happened last night, saying that they, you know, that apparently there's two guys with briefcases that have envelopes in them at like opposite sides of the stage, and the wrong guy walked out. But I want to run a conspiracy theory past Eureka. Well, two conspiracy I theories. I have multiple conspiracy theories. So let's see if they line up. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll give one and then the other one. The, the first one's very simple. Here's what happened. They gave the envelope to uh, to Warren Beatty, who let Faye Dunaway read it. Then they looked at the audience. The black people looked mad. So they came out and said Moonlight won. <laughs> um, that's not a conspiracy that I had heard, <laughs> but um, we could go with it. Sure. All right. So that one doesn't line so up with yours? <laughs> no, no. Should I, should I pose one? We'll yeah, go. You, and you pose one and then I'll pose one. So Donald Trump and Jimmy Kimmel have had quite the feud. So one of the uh, conspiracies is that Donald Trump, through operatives of some form, sabotaged the envelope (laughs) in a revenge plot against Jimmy Kimmel for mocking him. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Apparently, there was an Oscars uh, like three or four years ago where Trump tweeted, what is this amateur hour (laughs) and or who's running this show? And um, and then yesterday at 10.50 p.m., Kimmel tweeted during the Oscars, he tweeted at Trump, are you watching, Donald? And I'm assuming that was before this whole flub. Yeah, it so definitely was. You know, I'm, I'm guessing this ha- probably happened about 11.30 Eastern time. Yeah. So he's like kind of taunting him. And then there's a, a fuck up. So perhaps it was Donald Trump just trying to. uh I do like that theory. I I wonder if Donald Trump tweeted back today, yeah, I was watching. Did you see what happened? Or something along those lines would have been great. Even if he didn't do it, it would have been great for him just to buy in and give people a reason to be like, was Trump behind this the whole time? Just really drive them into a a complete frenzy. He's the puppet master. He's got his tentacles and everything. He's a wizard. (laughs) Um, All right. Here's my alternate theory. And actually, it's not even, well, it's part my theory and part I give my, my wife credit for this. But she said that she goes, you know what? I think that they planned it the whole time. She, and I was like, interesting. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? It makes a lot of sense. Because every news article that's come out, like the one I'll link to, same thing. They always say the same thing. And that's they start off going, well, you can't beat live TV. But remember, the Oscars have lost ratings every year because it's always a four-hour shit show. And people are sick of Hollywood's bullshit. That's the other thing. But they keep losing ratings because of that and because, you know, people are cutting off their cable. Like, I don't know if you still do. I still do mostly for sports. But a lot of people are getting rid of cable. So they're going all online and they're not watching the Oscars. You know, they're not tuning in. So the Oscars rating is going down. So if they have this crazy thing that happens now, well, you got to watch. Because what if they screw up again? What if, what if anything, what if, uh, who's the guy that, didn't a guy die on stage doing push-ups? The guy that was curly in, uh, in City Slickers? Okay. Jack Palance? Yeah, didn't he like have a heart attack on stage doing push-ups at the Oscars or something? I, I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Am I misremembering that? <laughs> By the way, I was misremembering that. Jack Palance did not die on stage at the Oscars. Okay, back to the show.
I, when I think of Jack Palance, I always think of the uh, Mandelbaum guy from Seinfeld. But they're definitely Mandelbaum. <laughs> Mandelbaum. <laughs> well, that's neither here nor there. But what do you um, think about that theory? Well, I actually had heard that theory, too. And so someone had said, like, what about the Miss Universe um, pageant last year where Steve Harvey screwed it up? And then that got so much attention. Um, and so I did Google the ratings for the Miss Universe pageant this year, and they were down 18 percent from last year. So, really? Well, yeah, but that's because Trump was the backer of Miss Universe. So I think more than anything, people oh, okay. were bo- bo- going against Donald Trump's involvement. All right. Well, too many variables then for that to, <laughs> to be dispositive one way or the other. It's possible. Um, but, you know, I still guess what? Don't have any interest in watching the Oscars next year if they have another uh, screw up. I'll just watch another clip of it for seven minutes <laughs> exactly. and then be done with it. Um, exactly. So I will give you my second conspiracy theory that it was actually the work of Leonardo DiCaprio. Hmm, because because he had the envelope for the emma stone award and apparently he took it off stage which isn't customary and then he put it where warren Beatty would pick it up so and that's that's, this is your theory is this is a theory that you read i don't have a theory (laughs) why would i wouldn't care enough to come up with a theory but um the reason is because he was so upset that he had to wait so long for an Oscar. He didn't, he didn't win one until last year when he should have gotten one much, much earlier. So this was his revenge against the whole So he's just bringing down the whole house of cards, DiCaprio yes. style. I think one thing we can agree on, it was def- there's definitely conspiracy involved in some way, shape, or form. I, I agree completely. I believe in conspiracies and nothing else. <laughs> I Because, you know what, I, I have to think there's 17 different checks to make sure that they don't get the wrong envelope, especially for best picture. It's like, really? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think something's shady behind the scenes there. Someone said that the presenters already know, because I went on Reddit just to try to see if there's any other conspiracies, and someone said that... Presenters already know the winner, so they're not surprised, but I don't believe that either. Yeah, well, I don't know. Well, well, you know what? Warren Beatty did, like, look at it, and then he well, was like, I don't know. Like, he was kind of like, mm. yeah. and then he gave it to Faye Dunaway. He's like, yeah, let this let this idiot read it. <laughs> she won't know. Stone's name on it. So he's <laughs> right. like, what? what? <laughs> and Thanks Warren Beatty's a smart guy. Back. Warren Beatty had, had, by the way, Warren Beatty, if you don't know, is also, like, the most legendary playboy in Hollywood. He had more sex with more Hollywood starlets, including Madonna. I can't remember if it was before or after Joe Canseco had sex with Madonna. Joe but, Canseco? Oh, Who yeah. Is that Jose? I mean, Jose, no, sorry, not Joe. Jose Canseco, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was before or after Jose Canseco had sex with Madonna. Uh, but, yes, he was an item with Madonna for a while. And, yeah, he's a playboy. So that's the same for his screw-up, though. I think he should have, just like Paterno had wins taken away wrongly which are now returned. But I think that Warren Beatty should lose some of his, uh, his playboy stats, keep him out of the Hall of Fame as a punishment. He'll never lose the memory, so <laughs> that's all that matters. Hopefully he has pictures that will be released after his death. That would be nice. Yes. So there were obviously, during the, the Oscar ceremony, though, this is one of the reasons I didn't watch it this year, too, because I know it was going to be a never-ending Trump fest, and which it was. It's only like 15 different people mentioned Trump in their statements. And, of course, during the opening monologue, Jimmy Kimmel didn't go too hard in on Trump, actually. Uh, I was I was, I thought he would go more liberal, but he didn't do too much. But he did acknowledge Meryl Streep, which annoyed the living hell out of me. 
And of course, you know, people are giving her a standing ovation for standing up there. And if you listen to the previous couple podcasts where I talk about her during the Golden Globes, and then she did it again during some other thing recently, just, just, it takes no bravery to do what she did. Standing up there, it's like everybody tonight did the same thing, where you're going up there, you're speaking to a room that agrees with you already, in an industry that agrees with you already. So give me a break. It's just like, knock it the hell off. And the fact that they acknowledged her in the middle of this was just, Ah, just drove me up the freaking wall. You know, my thing with the politics, with uh, actors, with athletes is you want to be, you know, out there. You want to be giving some kind of opinion. That's fine. But don't limit it to only when there's a Republican in office. It, it's quite annoying. Where, where have you guys been the last eight years? It's not like everything has been just rainbows and you know sunny days uh when obama was there there was all types of trampling on civil rights there was a a lot of uh issues with immigration and deportation under obama so where were they then and they'll come out there and then if uh a democrat comes back in power they'll all shut up and say everything's great and it's it's just bullshit and it's just nauseating like if you can't be there all the time don't just you know jump on the train when it's easy. Yeah, well, it's selective emphasis. You know, I've been listening to uh, a liberal bent podcast, but it is interesting called uh, You Don't or You Are Not So Smart is the name of the podcast. It's like a boing boing podcast, but it focuses on the way the human mind works and how, you know, the mind will selectively filter things and has its own biases. And, you know, they did all these studies showing that people who believe one way often will, even when presented with evidence directly contrary to what they believe, hard facts and evidence, they will still refuse to believe it and oftentimes will even push back harder. They call it like the rebound effect, push back harder the other way. So all these liberals when presented with the fact that Obama deported more than any other president in, in the country, I'm sure were like, oh, no, no, but he's still wonderful. Wonderful legacy. You know, if he was doing it, I'm sure he had a reason. You know, it's good so, reason. The wonderful reason. Well, hey, hey, here's here's the only reason you need. It's on. It's a law. It's on the books. <laughs> so really, this, Trump's doing the same thing. He's enforcing the law on the books. Just, you know, let's not forget that fact. He's not done anything new. He's just enforcing the law on the books. Yeah, and he's got a long way to go to catch up to Obama, you know. With <laughs> well, the, he's got, as Harry likes to say, he's got a good eight more years to do it. <laughs> That's true, which will probably be uh, brought up in some of the other topics um, that we're going to discuss. Because, Likely. Because, yeah. you know, it's just such a you know, with these Hollywood speeches that most people probably do not care for. Um, it's just like they're further galvanizing people to be for Trump when the people for, you know, the left, the extreme left is so just irritating. Yeah. Well, and that's also that, you know, tying into this podcast I just mentioned, which I'll link to uh, in the show notes, which, of course, you can find at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL9. But when I link to that, you'll see they, they do talk about that as well, is that to your exact point, when you make these speeches, the people that already have a bias where they say, I already like Trump, they're not getting convinced to anything. And you're only going to redouble their hatred of the left and their hatred of left policies. So, yeah, all they're doing with this grandstanding is pissing off the people that already believe in Trump. And you know what? It's so over the top. And I, and people are getting sick of it. Like, I've seen more and more people being like, OK, let's just knock this. Let's knock this shit off now. But the people that are now maybe they were left leaning are also being like, just 
you know, I can't stand the constant racket on Facebook. Like, I know people that are that are just, you know, they're pretty much ignoring Facebook now. They're getting off social media for weeks at a time because they just can't can't stand all of the one way bluster about Trump that's you know, clogging up their feeds. Yeah, it, I've had to kind of unfollow a lot of people. If if you link to Huffington Post more than five times in a single day, <laughs> chances are I'm not following what you're saying anymore. Huffington like, Post box, daily cost, yeah. Huffington Post yeah. box, daily cost. Yeah, that's or, the rotation. Every article that goes up there, up, oh, share, share, share. Right. right now. Well, you know what? I was actually, I, I think I said this to uh, our, our Facebook group, which, of course, you can find at Lions of Liberty Forum and the Facebook. But... I posted a thing where I got an email from the Washington Post because they let you learn, they let you read a certain number of articles and then they're like, well, now you have to subscribe. So I was like, fine. So I didn't pay for it, by the way, but you have to get on their <laughs> right. email nope. list. You subscribe See to their email list. <laughs> but I got an email like three days in a row. I'm reading the topics and it was like 12 stories and 10 out of 12 stories were bashing Trump in one way or the other. And I post this like, this is why it's so hard for me not to look for reasons to defend Trump because the mainstream media is so vehemently opposed to him all the time. So it's like when you see this constant barrage of negative pieces that are just going out of their way to cite any little thing and ignoring anything positive that could come out of any of his policies or any of the things he's doing with regulation or cutting, you know, trying to balance the deficit. He wants to inc- increase military spending, but he's trying to balance that out at least. It's like, give the guy some sort of equal ground, give him some sort of equal coverage instead of this just, you know, absolutely biased reporting. No, there, there's more mentions if uh, a city like Richmond tr- votes to, uh, oh, to God, impeach him. Impeach you know? Trump, yeah. <laughs> I was like, OK, well, that's going to do nothing. But <laughs> not cool. that I advocate this, but it would be funny if Trump just nuked that city. <laughs> overnight it's like it's a beautiful like, guess, city guess what richmond <laughs> just blows it up um <laughs> we won't go into that story okay let's move on here for a minute i'm gonna i want to read one speech from the oscars just know the majority of the speeches were all the same it's what you'd expect so but i will take one guy who was uh, an iranian director i'm gonna mess his name up asgar farahadi asgar farahadi uh he took the academy award home for best foreign film for the drama the salesman now, he did not attend the Oscars in revolt against the immigration ban. Of course, Iran is on that list. And he said he had a, another woman who was an Iranian astronaut. Who knew? Uh, <laughs> she read his statement instead. So here's what it says. Dividing the world into the U.S. and our enemies creates fear, a deceitful justification for aggression and war. These wars prevent democracy and human rights in countries which have themselves been victims of aggression. Now that, I don't know about you, Rico, but that's one where, yeah, I, 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 you know, he wants to protest fine, but I like his statement there because it makes a very salient point. And that point is that the U.S. has done more to bring back, you know, like there's a reason Iran does not like the U.S. You know, the, I, the U.S. overthrew their nation's leadership and we have been constantly mucking up with them and getting in the way and stopping their their ambitions to do whatever nuclear stuff, stuff they want to do for decades now and trying to undermine them with through every other country around them. So he makes a great point. He's been the victim of aggression. I, you know, Iran has been the victim of aggression. And now we're like, ah, you know what? I know we, we came over there and punched you in the face, but now you want to attack us, though. Nah, no more. So what do you think about his statement? Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with some of those points. And, and I think that speaks to the, even the larger issue about the refugee ban 
uh, which, you know, is a whole other topic. But, you know, the U.S. has a large role in the creation of the, you know, kind of vacuum that's going on in the Middle East that's allowed all this shit to come up and ISIS, uh, Al-Qaeda, you know, the U.S. is is partly to blame, at least. And then they're going to try to wash their hands. So it becomes a difficult question is, okay, well, you basically shit all over the floor and now you just kind of want to say, all right, see ya. Right. Clean up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what's around what, the shit and leave it there. Right. So it's kind of a, a question of, you know, what level of responsibility does the U S have now? And, um, and his point is a much narrower point, but I, I think a, a very good one in that. Yeah. Like you said, they, they've screwed over Iran on an, a number of occasions. Uh, Israel has, you know, done things as well to, to try to destabilize that region so you know they are victims in a sense yeah most definitely it's hard to argue and also then you, you also take the impact of all the sanctions we put on them and the sanctions of as we know don't affect the leadership of a country you know no one's no one's displacing the shah of iran over some sanctions but the people are going to be disproportionately affected by those sanctions you know the people might be might be uh, unable to eat. They might be unable to have their businesses function. They might be losing their lives because of the sanctions we're putting in place as well on the poorest part of Iran. So, you know, again, don't just tell John McCain that <laughs> John McCain would gladly go over and step on every single baby in that country right now. I can promise you that not even a legend promised. All right. You know what? Here's that. Let's, so, so that's I thought was the only only salient point from uh, from any of the Oscars. I do want to add one little quick thing uh, on the end here, too. So Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck's little brother, won the Best Actor Award, Best Male Actor. And he has been accused multiple times of sexual assault, by the way. What did Hollywood have to say about that? Did they put on their pussy hats? No. Did they chant? Did they take to the streets and march? No. Oh, no, no, no. They stood up and they applauded him as an artist. The hypocrisy. Is ridiculous. I will move on to the next topic. How about this? So we're talking Trump. Uh, Trump did speak at CPAC. I listened to half of his speech. It was like a 25-minute long speech. And to be honest, it was empty Trumpisms. Uh, it wasn't something where I, I don't even really want to go into it too much. A lot of other podcasters have already broken it down. But man, that guy, he, he just, you know, when he started talking about the fake news stuff, it was kind of cute. And we agreed with them. We're like, yeah, you know what? It's true. This The media is biased and they misreport a lot of things. And, you know, a lot of us don't even follow mainstream news anymore. We follow other sources. But the fact that he just spent literally, I think it was about five to seven minutes just talking about fake news and uh, the use of anonymous sources is getting a little bit old to me. Um, are you ready to move on from the fake news? I, I was going to say the exact same thing. It is what it is at this point. People either believe it or they don't. Um, it's remarkable kind of the stamina he has to keep up at this issue. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm already tuning it out. I, I don't trust, I didn't trust uh, most of these news stations to begin with. Whatever he said didn't affect my opinion regardless. Maybe it did with other people, but we're at the point where, you know, you, you have your mind made up on that. So yeah, definitely. let's just move on and, and talk about some other things. And if you feel you're getting unfair coverage, you know, you can revisit that subject, you know, with respect to whatever issue that is relevant at the time. But to just kind of throw a, a blanket, you know, fake news, fake news, fake news every day, um, you know. 
you're you're losing it's losing its effect. Yeah, I, but it does bring up a, a worrying concept. And I, you know, when he banned CNN, I was like, mm, all right, fine. But now, you know, the last time he had his his briefing session, he was like Breitbart and a few other publications that were online, and none of the mainstream media news were allowed in them. And that, to me, does get that that does raise the problem of freedom of the press and whether or not they're being willfully denied access to, to you know, anybody that might question. Because now it goes farther than, OK, this is fake news and they're biased into, well, now nobody is going to be able to criticize him or nobody's going to have access that can criticize him. And that, to me, is a little bit scary. Um, you know, I criticized Obama for having a closed administration and his attacks on press. And also, well, he'd attack some press and he also had lackeys, which he would hire from the press to show you how biased they all were. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I find it a little bit, a little bit scary and it does get into a, a, a huge concern as to one of the base tenets of our, our country, which is the freedom of the press. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Should he, should we start pushing back on this really hard to say, okay, look, fun's fun, but you need to knock this off now. And you, need to, you need to get these people back in these briefings. Uh, I would like to see all of the, the major media outlets have access to him. I, don't, I mean, he's not going to the point where he's infringing on their right to report. Um, you know, they, they can still write what they want to write. He, he doesn't have to, to speak with anyone, but just as a, a you know, matter of transparency and good faith to the American people, I think he should have be granting access to his briefings to you know, all the major outlets and, you know, other ones as well. You know, the more access to an administration, the better. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also it's funny because he was complaining about the use of anonymous sources, but at the same time, he's cutting people off. So what's going to happen? What's going to be a result of cutting out these organizations? They're yeah. going to keep getting more anonymous tips from anonymous right. there, sources. There, is a great deal of value in anonymous sources, I think. Um, not not in every situation, but to say a blanket, like, we should not have anonymous sources. Okay, well, then you're discouraging, yeah, you're discouraging you know, people every whistleblower. from coming out. Yeah, you know? precisely. You are going to be afraid of repercussions. So I think it's a matter of him either not caring or not really thinking that point through. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And yeah, I, I agree with you as well. They're not they're not being prohibited from reporting, of course. But, you know, it, it still is when you're getting it, when you're not getting direct access to, to ask the president questions, it is limiting the ability of the press to report accurately. And, to and you know, you need to have that access. There are certain things that the maybe the media in the room are not going to challenge him on. So by prohibiting that dialogue, it is it is to me very concerning. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's a short lived thing. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't seem to have lost any steam yet, but no. we'll see. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, keeping on the speak CPAC trail. And guys, we're busting them through today. We're on a schedule. <laughs> Just to let you know why we're chugging through quick. Um, so CPAC, there was, I would say, zero Liberty candidates that spoke there. Some people would argue that Ted Cruz is a Liberty candidate. I would uh, at this hilarious. point, yeah, <laughs> I would at this point say that is total horse crap, uh, especially with all of his campaign actions during the run up to the presidential campaigns. And of course, his recent actions, you know, he he rolled back certain things, certain provisions of the Patriot Act and then put in brand new provisions that were even worse than the Patriot Act in many ways. So uh, I think Ted Cruz is not the one we need to look to. But I, I mean, that shocked me how they the whole CPAC from going from a very liberty centric conference the last few years. I mean, Ron Paul and Rand Paul and Massey, you know, J Justin Amash in there. None of those guys were there. 
And now it's all this like popular. So we look, they were going to have Milo speak before they canceled on him. Uh, but they don't have anybody that could represent the more libertarian side of things, which was supposed to be the future of the movement. So, I, I mean, I'm trying to make sense of this. You'd think they would try to throw us a bone at least. But, I mean, what's your feeling? Is is now, as people have said, is the libertarian movement done for the next four years? Or do you think that there's plenty of opportunity, despite what CPAC did, that with Trump in office, there's now even more way for the libertarian movement to succeed, pushing back against certain policies that he's trying to put into place? Well, with respect to CPAC and uh, specifically, I'm not surprised. Um, I believe the the majority of Republicans, just like the majority of Democrats, are more interested in winning than in principle. So, you know, the the over the last eight years, the motivated people were the libertarians. They were motivated to to spread the message, and Republicans were kind of just muddled and, uh, you know, woe is us. We don't have the the president and, you know, what can we do? And so they weren't showing up and, and it was up to the, the motivated wing of the, I guess, conservative block, if you want to lump the libertarians in there. And that's why they were showing up and they were vocal and passionate. But now we have all these people jumping on the bandwagon. Trump won. Yay. Everything's great. Um, let's show up and because we won. And I think, uh, Nick Gillespie made a, a pretty good point. Um, he said, you know, Trump's victory kind of let the GOP go about like go about their business as if nothing was wrong. You know, we won. Everything's great. We have the House. We have the Senate. We're, we're the president. So all is good. And, you know, yay. Next four years. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's and you know, like I said, it's everybody loves the winner and everybody wants to be on the winning team, which is one of the, the biggest issues that I had trying to convert people to to vote libertarian in the past. Um, but I also think, you know what, I lost a lot of respect for CPAC in the way that it's clearly now, you know, people looked at it as like, oh, this is we should take something away from what's going on at CPAC. Clearly, this is the will of the of the conservative world. But yeah, they're just selling tickets. You know, the CPAC, I, I think, is less of a leadership organization and more of, hey, we're having a big old convention. We need people to buy passes so we can make our money. So we're just going to book a bunch of crap that we know will get the Yahoos to come out. And we were the Yahoos, apparently, for, for many years. Well, uh, I think Trump was supposed to speak there last year, but he didn't. He was too uh, good. Wait, there we- there was some kind of too many hookers to hire to be on beds <laughs> that Obama had been in. He in was Russia. busy. <laughs> Apparently, he said that there was some kind of backlash against some of the immigration talk. Who would have thunk? Surprising. Um, so he, he uh, canceled his speech. But, you know. Uh, so, I mean, it's not it's not just a, a libertarian thing uh, where they just kind of turn their backs on the libertarians. Now, it was always kind of a, you know, multi pronged I don't, I don't even know the word i'm trying to think of here where you know a lot of different viewpoints were were supposed to be present but now they you know the president won we're the party the president sets the kind of course the direction of of the party in general and you know that's what trump has done i think that's a, I mean, that seems to be a problem with with the big political organizations like the big r's and d's because they do they do just cater to the whims of the president you're right they follow along and the president sets the agenda and then they kind of conform to it rather than Look for ways like if there was a libertarian, if there were a lot more libertarians out there, I can guarantee you, you would not see this type of thing. You know, libertarians are very principled people. Uh, no matter who's in office, we're going to find a lot of problems with what they're doing. Unless you put Ron Paul in there, which, God, if only. 
So, you know, I, but it, I find that kind of annoying uh, that, that you have Trump in office and then you just see the entire agenda transform and, and mush into this, you know, half, half is great. But, you know, a lot of the stuff he's trying to do should still be pissing off basic conservatives. I mean, the whole the whole concept of raising tariffs and, and trying to start a trade war with China, nobody should be happy about that. And the fact that they're not, you know, standing up and rallying and saber, you know, rattling the sabers at CPAC about it and having people that might be contrary to him is uh, is upsetting and cowardly. Yeah, well, I think it speaks to the uninformed nature of a lot of the general public that they're not against this. And it speaks to lack of backbone and, and many members of Congress that they're not speaking out against things like that. You know, they're kind of letting Trump have his way right now. And even on the things that there should be pushback, there's not a lot. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. And uh, when we come back, though, Rico is going to talk to us about a ridiculous ruling by the U.S. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals that you will not believe. So we'll be right back. Now, let me take a quick minute to give a word from our sponsor for today's show, who actually happens to be a good friend of our podcast. And that is Mr. Dan Smots of Goulash Media. You may already be familiar with Dan's work. For example... Dan created all of our new Lions of Liberty t-shirt designs. And on top of that, he also famously created my very own Mr. Johnson's Liberty Hood graphic. If you remember Bill Weld holding up little Gary Johnson as a puppet in the land of make-believe, that was the work of Dan Smots and Goulash Media. But Dan also does an entire range of creative services. From graphic design to videography to wedding videos and wedding photography, audio editing and production, Dan can do it all. Now, Dan's based out of the Quad Cities in Illinois, but he's happy to travel. And I highly recommend that you hire him for anything you might need. With over 10 years of professional experience, he's not going to let you down. And you'll also be hiring a friend in Liberty. Dan has been a longtime supporter of our podcast. In fact, he credits Lions of Liberty for being one of the reasons that he's really been brought into the Liberty movement. So please check him out at goulashmedia.net. That's goulash like the food, G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. Or you can also visit him at goulashfilms.com. All right, we're back in here. Now, Rico, before we get into this topic, I want to give a quick shout out to my brother-in-law. It's a, fa- it's a day of family shout outs for tweeting this story about me or about, to me about the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals and a ban on quote unquote military style firearms that are not protected by the Second Amendment. So tell us a little bit about this story, uh, which is not promoting as much outrage as one would think. All right. Well, the case, um, I believe it's Kolb versus Hogan, basically a challenge to constitutionality of Maryland's Firearm Safety Act, um, which banned military-style rifles and shotguns uh, and detachable magazines having a capacity of more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Violation carried a penalty of three years and up to three years in jail, maximum fine of $5,000. Um, more severe penalties if used in the commission of a felony, blah, blah, blah. So basically what the Court of Appeals said in the Fourth Circuit was the Second Amendment didn't even apply to this case, which I think, why not? Uh, We're talking about firearms. Why would not the Second Amendment even apply here? Well, they said 
The Second Amendment only applies to, to handguns. Um, basically, they there was a case eight, nine years ago, the Heller case out of D.C., which said that the Second Amendment protected an individual right to a fi- to possess a firearm, and it, it didn't matter whether or not it was in connection with service in the militia. And there had been kind of a dis- you know an uncertainty for forever what the Second Amendment actually meant, the, the militia clause in that. So the Supreme Court said nine years ago, you, yes, an individual has a right to have a firearm. But the Fourth Circuit said, no, that does not apply here because these are military-style weapons. And if it's a military-style weapon, you do not have any um, – th- th- those protections provided by the Second Amendment do not apply. All right. So just to kind of back up to very basic um, constitutional law 101, a fundamental right is a right that's um, defined in in the Constitution or through the interpretation of the Due Process Clause. So guess what? The Second Amendment um, right to possess a firearm is a fundamental right, which means that when if a law infringes on that right, it has to be examined under what the Supreme Court has said strict scrutiny. And there's kind of two prongs to that. And the first prong is uh, to pass strict scrutiny, the legislature must have passed a law to further a compelling government interest. Okay, well, I can see an argument that, you know, Maryland banned certain weapons to, you know, there's a certain public interest in not having, you know, these high, these mil if you want to use their term, military style weapons. Right. Okay. That's argu- like after like Sandy hook and stuff like yeah, that. Okay. So that's arguable. Yes. Okay. Like I can see, okay. You want to say that's a compelling government interest? Sure. Okay. Um, but the second part is that the law, but must be narrowly tailored to achieve that interest. And that's where this law, in my opinion, completely fails. Um, the law in question banned 44 different types of firearms. Uh, the court overlooked, they basically compared everything to an M16. And they said, you know, an M16 is a military style weapon. And these um, 44 different types of firearms resemble them. So, you know, the Second Amendment doesn't apply, which is kind of bizarre on its head. But. Okay, so the court overlooked differences in functionality, uh, performance metrics, and physical characteristics when issuing this ruling. And so, I mean, there, there's so, – I don't know if I explained that well, but there's so many different avenues to look at this. One, how the hell does the Second Amendment not even apply here? Right. Uh, it, it's, that's bizarre. And, and secondly, as it, it, I'm – I'm sure this will be taken up to the Supreme Court and they're going to say, yeah, the Second Amendment does apply to this law. You know, we have to examine this under the framework of our Second Amendment jurisprudence. Well, where in the but, Second Amendment, where, where anywhere in the description of the right to bear arms and any of these clauses, does it say except for military style? Then no, they, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't it, in, nowhere the Second in the Second Amendment, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it also doesn't um, – and say there anything like that in the Heller decision, which they were basing this on. They said that there's a bright line rule for discerning which firearms are constitutionally protected. Weapons that are most useful in military service are not shielded by the Second Amendment. Well, you know what? Military style weapons, there's nothing in the Heller decision, to the best of my recollection, even use, remotely uses any term like that. 
Okay, so they just made up a rule, which goes kind of towards a point I made, I think, the last time I talked with you about courts legislating. Mm -hmm. Not their rule. Okay, they do not make up what the legislature, you know, the law is. Yeah. Nowhere is there uh, military style weapons. Is that the test for where the Second Amendment applies? So th- this is a bizarre decision well, it's just on ju- many it seems levels. Like judicial advocacy, you know, they're they're well, pushing their own agenda clearly and with no regard for the actual laws, with, with any respect for the Bill of Rights. And yeah, I, I just it when you read it, yeah, it, it makes no sense that the Second Amendment wouldn't apply. And that's what I, I just can't get over the fact that they think that they can bifurcate what guns would and would not be covered because there's no language to dedic- to dictate that. And the whole concept in the first place is that we're supposed to be guaranteed the right to bear arms because it's so to prevent the government from from taking over everybody in the first place. I mean, right. that was the whole purpose of the cause. So it's funny you were talking about, uh, you know, what is the compelling government interest in the law? And to me, the law that they've now created out of thin air, the compelling government interest is purely to keep power over the population, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, I think wrong on a, a number of different levels. If I had if I was a betting man and I am, but <laughs> I don't know any forum where I can bet on this. Um, but I'm sure this will be appealed to the Supreme Court. And my guess, especially if Gorsuch or however you pronounce his name yeah, is Gorsuch. eventually yeah. eventually confirmed uh, this, their ruling will be overturned. I believe it was five, four in the Fourth Circuit. Um, and those numbers will will flip i believe in in the supreme court if it go, if and when it gets there i would hope that the numbers would be even more skewed towards overturning this ruling in the supreme court just based upon the fact that you know you'd hope at that level judicial advocacy would play less of a role now granted obamacare did pass and that should not have passed but you would hope that there's just no way to justify it so yeah that was insane thank you for the breakdown i thought that was pretty good i hope everybody um was able to play along at home with that one but take notes yeah t- exactly rewind and take notes re-listen to the podcast over and over again um so yeah fantastic breakdown rico thank you and yeah what one of the more insane decisions and you know my like i say my brother-in-law he is a i'd say a staunch liberal but one of the one of the good ones <laughs> oh, he's he's uh, he's very good. He's got, you know, you could have a conversation with him. Uh, and even he was saying this is shocking, just just unbelievable, shocking. And, you, you know, if you're a thinking person or anybody with a background in law, you look at it and you just go how and why. It, it yeah, just makes no sense. So much the outcome that is completely shocking, but the way they got there. Right. Well, um, he, said he was even referencing the Heller thing as well. And um and I think, yeah, you know, he said Gorsuch, Gorsuch uh, should overturn it. But, um, yeah, I think even just as is, if it gets up there, it's going to get overturned. No problem. Yes. Can we uh, get a definitive ruling on how you pronounce his name, by the way? That's never. I like it's <laughs> or, a fun, It's a fun game. Well, or well, else I, <laughs> I object to his nomination in the first place. We need a more simple name <laughs> up there. How about, you know what? Well, yeah, we can introduce a new game. It could be, uh, that's Gore Sick or Gore Suck. There you go. <laughs> like we'll, it. we'll weigh on his Can't rulings. wait to play. <laughs> All right. Uh, a couple more quick issues and then we'll wrap it up. So I was reading an article today uh, that it was from the New York Post, but it was citing the fact that they're doing this women's march. Another one. I, actually, not a march. They're doing a women's strike. For the day, it's called a day without a woman, which uh, I talked a little bit about on the last show. If you recall, 
I still think it's a great idea that we have so many a, jokes. Bring your stripper that. today. Yeah, bring your stripper to work show. It's great. <laughs> oh my, I can't speak right now. Bring your. You'll stripper get to, to the work movies day. on time. Right. <laughs> You'll always know what you're having for dinner. <laughs> exactly. So the women's day without a woman strike, though, um, which. I also want to point out, put out a, uh, <laughs> they put out a what to do on the day of the strike aside. I just saw today as well. And item number one is don't go to work, obviously, right? You know, refrain from paid or unpaid work, which again, what is, what does the unpaid work mean? You're just going to like neglect your kids all day, <laughs> just crying in a corner, hungry, but unpaid work or paid work, you know, don't do any of that. Stay home. And then the next item though, it was, uh, it said, do not do any shopping or refrain from shopping. And I thought to myself, isn't that kind of sexist? You know, <laughs> to assume because women be shopping that you got to specifically cite that as like a do not do on your protest form. So one of the women behind the day without a woman strike is actually an immigrant from Palestine. And she's her name's Resmia Yusuf O'Day. And she happens to be a convicted terrorist. She was convicted in Israel for part in two terrorist bombings, one of which killed two students while they were shopping for groceries. She went to prison for 10 years. And then by lying on a citizen application to get in the U.S., she became a U.S. citizen in 2004. So this march, which, you know, it's it's supposed to be all love and rights and humanity. And, you know, it's, you know, make sure that immigrants' rights are protected is being backed. One of the people backing it is a convicted terrorist. And the left has apparently no problem with this at all. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> this person seems quite despicable. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of questions about her. One, how did you only get 10 years for your role in a bombing that killed two people? Two, she got citizenship here because she lied on her application and said she didn't have like any criminal past. Right, yeah. And that she um, uh, yes. Yeah. And then she got so out that, of that when they found out she lied, she said she had PTSD when she filled out the application, and that's why she lied. Because that's a thing that always happens. God, sometimes due process goes too far in this country. <laughs> that can be an excuse for real. Um yeah, so and she wasn't the only one with a kind of a one of the authors with a sordid past. No, um, no, you're right. There, there was a few others. Angela Davis, uh, a long time, long time supporter of the Black Panthers. Yeah, apparently, like three guns she owned were used in a courthouse shooting. Yeah, um, yeah, perfectly so, natural. So it, it's things like this that we were talking about, where the people that are maybe not necessarily support Trump, but then they're going to look at, at this and say, wait, you want this is you think this is going to draw us to your side? No way. No, exactly. It's ridiculous. But the people you that are, are out there doing the strike and supporting this, they have you know, again, they got the blinders on selective influence. Like it's just like as Howie pointed out in another show or maybe we were talking about it on our show. I can't remember now, but one of the people behind the first women's march also was a huge supporter of Sharia law. And oh, that, yeah. it's like, how can you, how can you possibly at one point say, okay, yeah, we're standing up for immigrant rights and women's and all this stuff. And then at the other side, openly, by the way, she tweets about it all the time, talk about how Sharia law is the way to go. So, okay. So, you know, all those rights you just fought for, uh, never mind. Sharia she, law is in place. Yeah. 
That is the proper use of irony for all the people <laughs> who misuse it to mean coincidental. Yeah. That's irony. A Sharia law supporter um, leading a women's rights march. Yep. And so, you know, again, the left just selective influence on what they do and do not care about the the selective outrage that they will apply in various situations and over various things. But, you know, hey, let's have a big march because Trump said one time uh, to Billy Bush when he was just bragging about grabbing some chick's pussy uh, because she would let him because he was famous. Let's have a giant march with three million women over that and then ignore the terrorist and the Black Panther <laughs> woman whose yeah. guns killed a or was using a courtroom shootout and the chick who loves Sharia law and all the other people that are horrible behind this. Because, you know, why? Why? Minor you you details. can only get upset about so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Got to have priorities. Yeah. So good Nothing job, ladies. <laughs> all right. Last thing to wrap it up here. Uh, actually, I'll give you the option, Rico. Would you rather talk about town halls and the uh the groups behind the town halls that are trying to rile up people and pretend that uh, that everybody there is anti-trump or would you rather go into conspiracy theory time and talk about whether or not there's a false flag operation going on right now in america is that a serious question oh Do you yes. think i would pick against conspiracy theories all right let's get down conspiracy lane for the second time in the show all right so this one I, th this is how this topic came up um and I'll link, by the way, I will link to the article about uh, anti-Trump sentiment uh, supporters at town halls and how that is actually being backed. It's recorded on video. People saying we're going to go in. We're not going to let anybody that has any sympathy for Trump ask any questions of, of the, any of the GOP people. And we're going to just ruin the event. That's a thing. No one's surprised. But the other thing that I saw today is there is a recurrence now where bombings Supposed bombings are being caused, called into various Jewish institutions and schools, and also headstones are being knocked over at Jewish cemeteries. Uh, the last one that happened, I believe, was around the Philadelphia area. There was another one, I think, in Illinois. And they're just going in. Vandals are knocking over, you know, 200 headstones or 20, you know, between 50 and 100 headstones at these various places. The question I asked, and this is at our Liberty Chain today, in which we can now discuss, Rico, is whether or not you think this is a actual group of people or several groups of people that are rising up organically across America, mind you. And I want to remind everybody that the KKK currently has fewer than 3000 members in all of America. Let's put that out there. Now, is this an uprising? Is this the alt-right that has decided after Trump won, remember that Trump won, that they're going to go over and vandalize cemeteries and and call in bomb threats to schools and go after Jewish people? Uh, or is it the same kind of thing where the left is kicking over the tombstones themselves and Jewish people are doing this to raise to raise ire against Trump and to try to raise a false flag, just like what happened when people would spray the Nazi symbol and vote Trump on buildings, which then was revealed to be people doing it to themselves? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely all on board of that conspiracy. Um, I think the extreme left has proven what kind of tactics they take to push their agenda forward, whether it's the Berkeley rallies, the um, swastikas you've already mentioned, the Project Veritas videos that were shown, um, you know, uh, well, before the, the, the election. The woman who, uh, you know, I think it was, yeah. again, at Berkeley. That was in Alabama that she, or something. Yeah. Well, there was one I thought at Berkeley. Then there was another one, yeah, at various campuses where they're like, oh, you know, these men went up to me and they you know, called me a raghead or whatever it was and, and pushed me. And then turns out all made up. 
And then, you know, then the police reports, they recount them. And the police said, we investigate no truth to it. So yeah, all those examples. So yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> and well, I just think they're in the ends justify the means mode right now. They are so horrified by just the thought of Trump being president that um, it doesn't matter. You know, what does it matter if we desecrate a few gravestones? Um, it, it's it's all in the name of getting this guy out. Right. And that would that will ultimately benefit everyone because we're going to have this racist, anti-Semite, uh, misogynist, just horrible person out of the White House. So everything will be good. And, you know, this minor inconvenience will be worth it. I mean, why not? Um, <laughs> if that's their belief. But, uh, you know, uh, that, that would be my guess. Yeah. But, I mean, it's hard cause, just because it's you know, like I kind of went into a little bit earlier when I was ranting about it. It's hard to wrap your head around why any of this would be happening. Donald Trump is not anti-Semitic in any way. And he's never said anything anti-Semitic about the Jews. And he is a big supporter of Israel. You know, they just had a big, big confab and it's all uh, love, peace, dope. He loves Bibi. Bibi loves Trump. And, we're, you know, we're standing behind Israel. So why would people go out and do any of this stuff? It's not in support of Trump. It seems it would go against his agenda. So the only logical thing is to say that, yeah, this is this is a false flag. This is people just trying to to raise the sentiment up against him. Uh, it just it, it, it makes zero sense. And, it, and again, why now? Why now? If it was going to happen, why did it not happen during the campaign? Why did it not happen any of the other times throughout the last 25 years if people really wanted to make a statement against Jews? It, I don't get it. <laughs> There's actually a, a pretty funny clip, uh, very marginally related to this whole topic, but of of Bill Burr on Conan recently. I don't know if you saw it, where he talks about, <laughs> you know, all the racists were were fine the last eight years oh, right, when yeah. there was a black guy in the in the White House, but as soon as it came to the possibility of a woman, they all came out of the woodwork. You yeah, know that yeah. that's the kind of the belief that. Uh, you know, a large <laughs> amount of people have right now. So oh, totally. And I'll hear, I'll play that quick, that clip for everybody real quick. So you can hear the Bill Brooks. So it is funny and it's good observation. And then we will come back and I'll sign us out. And unsettling so far, you know, what, what did you think of uh, uh, Hillary Clinton at the inauguration? I thought that was for her to show up at that inauguration. It's the second time that and she uh, started crying a little bit again. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I get sick of people making excuses for her. She blew it. See that? Nobody thinks that. She blew it. Look, you lost to a guy who said three things a week that would torpedo anybody else's campaign. How do you do that? That's like you're playing a football game, the other team throws 20 interceptions, and you still, you still figure out how to blow it. At what, point, at what point do you take responsibility? They try to say they would be like, oh, it was a bunch of, I love the racist white guy thing, a bunch of racist white guys. They came out of the forest, and they were just going, Trump, Trump, Trump. It's like, where were all these racist white guys the last two elections when they could have voted against a black guy? They were fine. Oh, I don't mind a black guy, but this white lady, we got to stop her. She's going to take her four wheelers, Macuzzi. All right, so there you go. Hilarious stuff from Bill Burr. Uh, I want to remind everybody as we wrap today's show up, I want to thank Rico for being here. Excellent as always, Rico. Bravo, sir. Yes, thank you. And again, playing injured. 
Yeah, so that's right. Give send him those Vicodins, and I can turn into the Rush Limbaugh of uh, podcasting. You can, having- guys. You can send all those drugs to care of Brian at the studio here. I I live in the studio, so send them to me. And just like all of America's foreign aid, I guarantee you at least three percent of those pills will make it to Dorico. <laughs> uh, wonderful. I will be the dictator at the top, taking his share. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, but uh, guys, to, to wrap the show up, reminder. Go follow us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. Join the Facebook forum, Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type it on in there. Please, if you enjoy the show, share it. And don't forget to please give us a review on iTunes. Helps boost up our ratings there. More people will find it. More people will see it. The ideas of liberty will spread. And don't forget, we have our new t-shirt line from Dan Smots, as you heard earlier. Lionsofliberty.store. And you can support us. Support this podcast with real hard cash at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. All the information's there. So, guys, from me, from Rico, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty. Liberty.